from Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Thanks for joining us today, and welcome to the Bone Cave. Hola. Yeah, we got new bones, too. Some big ones right here. Yeah, there's some big bones laying on um, the These are big elk, no matter how you slice it or dice it. I so, saw those. Yeah. They're going to go up on that wall. Um, I almost got impaled by one a second ago. Yeah, so they're they're here. Well, that'll leave them and, on bleed. Yeah, it will leave them Yeah, on. you don't want to fall on that one. No. That'd split you. So anyway, um, if you're ever in Spearfish, South Dakota, get off on a Walmart exit by the Super Walmart. Take a right, and we are right in behind um, one of those hotels, uh, the Hampton Inn. We are at Come See Us at 2735 First Avenue, Suite 109, Spearfish, South Dakota, one of many adventure hubs that are about to be uh, brought to you compliments of rbo all over the country so we're pretty excited about it we got a lot of great announcements and initiatives to be talking about this summer so and all of you that are listening we appreciate you making us who we are and where we've gotten and uh the uh, uh your participation in our company's service and um and products has been overwhelmingly positive and we couldn't say thank you enough for the business. You know, and also thanks for all the great comments from our T-shirt giveaway. Had a ton of great <laughs> comments from people and enjoyed that very much. So we really appreciate it. Hit us up at hello at rbohome.com for podcast ideas, comments, feedback. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I was getting text messages. I tell you what, I got a lot of text messages today. Um, I was going to count them. But uh, I have just been buried and inundated. I have 72 right now. I got to get through before I'm out of the office here this afternoon. And you since 72, I do. And since 420, I've had one, two, three, four, five, I, I six, guess, seven. Brad, I so, guess people do like him. So, no, they don't. They just want something from me. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> but we have his number on the complaint department. Oh, <laughs> my, well, that that's actually not saying much because that means we're getting a lot of complaints, you I'm dumbass. Um, and yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, no, actually, you know what? I think it's no. I'm teasing. Um, I was going to make some smart ass comment, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep this clean. So anyway, go to RollingBones.com. Thanks for joining us today. If you're looking for no, I'm teasing. We're not done, but these guys are digressing bad, super bad. So um, it, the last few days has been uh, um, interesting. Uh, to say the least. And we were going to bring this podcast to you last week, but it's podcast 19C, closure of 19C. We're going to talk about that today and uh, what the state of Alaska has done. Now, one of the things I have to tell you, if you're you're a follower of the podcast, and if you're not, and this is the first one, we want to bring service access, value, and education. And if you're Troy Fridley, um, that means that we do seriously want to bring service, access, value, and education. But if I tell your best buddy, Brian, to take, um, uh, to take uh, coolers and the outfitter says leave early, don't leave early. Um, I do want to just give a real quick tip because Troy Fridley asked a great question and I want to um, answer it. If you're in camp, now this is just my perspective, okay? 
And I've booked a, a um, and by the way, this was another question that we had yesterday on a call that I was uh, um, uh, privy to and involved in, which was, okay, do you get special preference when you go into camp because you're a booking agent and you own Rolling Bones? Yeah, and they try to question. kill us and take us to it's the It's a fair question. So the it's a fair question. So when I shot this one, I just want you to know that I got not the A guide, I didn't get the B guide, I didn't get the C guide, but I got the guide that we went and we were going to go way back in. And uh, um, and they usually do, because if we have clients in, we make sure that we let them know that the client is the preference. And so we don't, to answer that question. But I've digressed from what I was going to say. So there's your T-shirt. All right. So uh, I just want to answer Troy Fridley's question. If I'm in a camp, okay, I want to be very clear with this. And I've booked a nine-day hunt. And by the way, I book hunts just like you do. I'm leaving for um, I'm leaving for somewhere this coming two weeks from now, and I'll tell you in a second. But I'm going I'm going muskox. Cancun for a muskox. Yeah, I'm going to Cancun for muskox. Um, and anyway, yeah, that works. <laughs> long story short, um, what the Sam heck? Um, did somebody change my map language to? Um, they did. It's not speaking your language. You son of a my my one of my sons is gonna my one of my sons is gonna get choked out. So anyway, I'm heading to Rankin. Anybody know where Rankin is? Nunavik. Um it's it's way up by Nunavik. You're right. Nunavik. And uh it's it's north of Cape Churchill and uh, it's way up there. Anyway, okay, so I booked a six day hunt. I didn't get a deal on it. Okay, I'm paying full pop. All right. If I book a 10-day hunt, and I kill on day three. It's my option to leave early. If I'm the last guy in camp and they're all cleaning up around me, I booked a 10-day hunt. If they're pushing me a little bit, I booked a 10-day hunt. Two things need to happen. One, we need to call the outfitter immediately, okay, or you, us immediately if you book the hunt through us. We'll call the outfitter for you, okay, if you're feeling pressure to leave. Okay, I don't like to always leave camp. Now, there's times I'll leave camp early, but there's times that I'm like, I got nowhere to go and I'm here. I'm not leaving camp or take me back to town. I'll hang out there, you know, but if I have a carcass that I'm trying to get meat home with, then I will get to town early. I might shut that down. But if I want to take meat home, I'm not leaving the meat. I will go to the butcher and pay an expedited uh, process to get it out of there. We have a butcher shop here in town, and, and it charges, happens to be ours, but we charge an expediting process. We understand outfitters and needing to leave. You can't leave with your, without your meat um, if you want to take the meat home, especially from Canada, unless they have an export license and they're bringing it back across. Does that make sense? And so I think that's important, but if an outfitter is trying to push you out of camp or you're feeling that, um, I would just... I would do like I do most any time with this stuff. I would approach them and ask them and talk to them. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, gotta have some communication. You, now, and some places are different. If you're, if you're, if you're fighting weather, flights, yeah, 
Yada, yada. But, but if you haven't, you haven't. 605-644-8000, you call us, okay, and say, hey, listen, these guys seem to want me out of here early. What's the standard protocol? I booked an eight-day hunt. I killed on day two. Do I have to leave, or what should I do, or how should I handle this? Let us know. We should have a conversation with them. So, anyway, hopefully that helps, and that's for everybody. You book a hunt with us or not. Um, even if you didn't book a hunt with us and you want help, call 605-644-8000. We'll call your outfitter up. No, I'm teasing. We can't, but we could. But book a hunt through us. Um, you know, don't get Googled. That's all I can say. Don't get Googled. Take care of it. Boom. All right. 19C is closed. Two years for non-resident, but wide open for resident. How does that make you feel, Brad? Two years? I believe so. I thought it was five years. Hmm. Let's so, see. I'm not, I, you know, I think it's, a, I think it's a bummer. So 19C is an unlimited, uh, unlimited non-resident mm. and resident sheep hunting opportunity. You have to have a guide though. Are we talking Utah? No, no, no. We're talking no, Alaska. No, no. Alaska. Alaska. 19C, doll yeah, sheep in Alaska. I'm, I'm sorry. Throw that out. N- 19C, yeah, doll sheep, Alaska is what we're talking about. So we're talking about the sheep closer, 19C. This last week, um, we found out that, um, and we knew it was on uh, the ticket, but they pulled some last-minute stuff and yada, yada, yada. We're going to talk about that today. But uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, it's closed and uh, um, and not to reopen. So um, they closed it. Yeah. So it's funny because they didn't totally close it. They only closed it for non-residents. That's right, non-residents. How so, does that make you feel? So it's an unlimited unit, so residents – can hunt it every year. If a, a non-resident hunts it and shoots a sheep, they can't hunt it again for four years. So they already, the, uh, what is it, the resident, what's that, uh, resident hunters of Alaska? Yeah, unlimited. So ultimately, the Board of Game voted down the proposition as well as later amended versions of the proposal, which would have closed hunting in 19C for two years, but now they just passed it. So I think it is for five years. Yeah, I, I, that's what I thought it was. But it, so residents can hunt every year. They can shoot, which that's their deal. That's cool. There's plenty of sheep up there to go do that because they have to be full curl and or, or eight years old. So and that that ensures an, an adult, you know, a mature near the end of his life cycle ram is going to be harvested. So. They feel it's a sustainable population in that way. But the funny thing is, what did they say? Um, non-resident guided sheep hunters consistently take uh, about 70% of the harvest annually. And last year in Unit 19C, non-resident hunters took 90% of the sheep harvest. Really? Yeah. And now, they closed now one it. is, is that they, statewide that they close, that we take 70% non-resident? I think statewide. statewide. But 19C See. is accessible by locals, which here's the deal. At the end of the day, by the way, if you listen to this from your Alaska and you go, hey, you guys are bagging on residents. You should be lucky you come up here. I, I, we can't, listen, we're not sitting here saying that you guys don't have the rights to, obviously, it's your state and they're your species. Um, we just are in a business of booking hunts and bringing quality uh, outfitters to adventure seekers, and this stifles uh, progress for some of our hunters that you know that you know father son trips they were going to take for a doll yeah, sheep. It, it, it really screwed some of our hunters 
up this year because and that's us yeah. how many other but, booking but agents i've been and an people? advocate for fairness and i think a lot of the states are being unfair and short south dakota one of them south dakota is one of the biggest offenders i mean south dakota you cannot well even this year they voted to uh we've always had unlimited non-resident archery permits and this year you know there's a small vocal minority of hunters the bow hunters association didn't want that they wanted it shut down so now they've got a limit on non-resident archery deer tags and antelope tags so another thing they've done you know they they limit they've made it so that non-residents can't rifle hunt they're ineligible for east river well that's so silly because the population center in south dakota is east river so even within the state they've pitted one side against the other i thought east river was non-resident it's close oh yeah, i see just what you're no but you know i mean i've but I, you're right though for, i mean for many, that's the mentality for many years this I've is said the, it's, the problem you should have been east dakota and uh, west dakota yeah totally and and uh for many years i've been an advocate of hey we we should share our elk we have an unbelievable phenomenal fantastically fun elk hunt here mm. and we should share that with non-residents i mean just do it fairly give you know, and and the argument is, well, it's so hard to get a tag if you're a resident. Well, in fairness, so I I've been advocating for fairness all along, and you know, I mean, you go you go with the guy, the I think it's a state rep in Wyoming who pushed pushed and pushed to get the ninety ten deal. I mean, that's that's that it doesn't help resident. It's it's almost so minimal in helping the residents draw tags, but it takes away so much of the income. Now, of course, I think they're just going to keep jacking the tag fees up. Well, at some point, I think I think they, you know, the states need to be fair on the, what what's the fair factor of resident fees versus non-resident fees. No, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, correct you, but I, what I want to uh, make sure we um, uh, are conservative or where we're getting our numbers. This is uh, from the Anchorage Daily News, and this is from Bob Helen, and Anchorage Daily News reported this. And their numbers show that last year, non-resident guided sheep hunters in Unit 19C took 90% of the total sheep harvest. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said not residents took 90. No, no, no. Non-residents, non yeah. Oh, okay. Non I just wanted to make sure. Non-residents took 90%. And statewide, it was uh, nearly 70%. 70%. Mm -hmm. sheep, yeah. sheep harvest. So anyway, is led by so I'll get off that soapbox. But yeah, you go back to you go back to what we were talking about. 90, and, wh and what was that roughly in 19C? We're, we're hypothesizing it was roughly 30 Thir sheep 35 year. to 40 sheep. So, but they left the residents open that can hunt every year to go it, it makes zero sense. I mean, it's just totally nonsensical what they did. If you want to shut it down, shut it down. But it's 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 like hunting a general unit in Region G for Wyoming, a deer hunter, and they can go every year. Well, you know, if you need to protect this, protect the animals, protect the animals. But they they just selectively chose that 
So the total harvest in 19C would have been probably not even 50. Probably. Well, no, not if it's 90%. Because, you know, let's say they took 90% and there was 30 animals that they took, say, say, you know, 35. So what's that? That's uh, 35, 36 animals. So what will happen after that? I mean, will they take maybe 10 next next time? Well, you don't know. Don't the residents see, that's are the, the only thing. ones. You don't know. The, the residents are the only ones you get in there. And I've been in 19C and ran into non-resident hunters in the middle of the wilderness. Resident. I'm sorry, uh, resident hunters. In the, and you know what? Ah. I've ran into non-resident hunters, and I've ran into resident hunters in the middle of the wilderness and right. on on And, and native hunters, right? Um, I have not. I've ran into native hunters in Canada. Yeah. I've not ran into native hunters in Alaska. Did, did you run into some, Brad? I'm talking sheep hunts. She, I ran into okay. native hunters. Bear hunt? I've, on moose hunts oh. and bear hunts, I've bear ran into hunts. native hunters. Bear hunts, yeah. But, but not sheep hunts. Sheep hunts, okay. I ran into resident and non-resident um, in my uh, my times up in the Alaska Range. I've hunted 19C for sheep uh, um, three times. Yeah, and, and realistically, they, they had a – They've had a tough winter kill for a couple of years, and the sheep population. There's still a lot of sheep up there, but it kind of seems like it whacked a, an age class of rams. Didn't I it? think that that's what it really did. You know, now I was just there, and we saw a ton of sheep, and 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 it looked like that the lamb retention was super high. Um, we saw a lot of lambs, a lot of ewes and lambs, and uh, but I saw one uh, mm, seven eighths curl. Right. Um, in 87 miles of hiking in allegedly one of the best guided sheep areas. Um, and for us, for sure, the most trophy driven sheep guided area. We've always killed big rams right. in there with our clients. Right. And I went in there to kill one of those big rams. And so I know because uh, people ask me the question, did you get preference? Yeah, I got preference. 87 miles of hiking and no <laughs> legal rams. Yep. Right. And then the, and the three guys before me killed rams. And the one guy after me killed Ram, and I didn't. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. There's no, uh, there's no such thing as a canned hunt unless you're doing a high fence hunt. Yeah, right. Or, yeah. or I'm sorry, some of these places call them estate hunts. Mm-hmm. Let, let's call it that, estate hunts, okay. right? But sheep hunting is not an estate hunting type mm-hmm. opportunity. No. You know, it's, it's a tough hunt. And... Uh, but yeah, they sure did. Now here's the problem. Um, I don't think that they, uh, um, from what we're hearing from our outfitters, oh, there wasn't a. This was something that was right at the end. Um, they Just pushed kind of snuck through because yeah, that wasn't through. The original proposal was to close 19C for all sheep hunting for five years, and it sounds like at the very last minute, the uh, the guy. Uh, who promoted this bill, uh, amended it uh, to just exclude non-residents. Well, because they figured it would be pretty small harvest in the next five years. Well, anyway. it's a political play, too, to some degree. And, I get the favor and, and, of all right, the resident yeah. hunters, so um, let, let's, let's so push this through. So the risk was worth it. Mm, we'll find out, right? Well, I that's don't know. what they were calculating, um, I think. So, yeah. Well, well you know, I mean, th- I, would s- I would say that uh, sport hunting in Alaska is big. It's huge. And, uh, you know, that hurts a lot of outfitters, too. It hurts a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, p- 
plane, you know, the guys, uh, the float plane companies and uh, bush plane companies. All the ancillary all businesses. All yeah. you know, I mean. Sure. Um, last year, well, the year before, we got canceled out. They closed the season. Uh, or no, no, that that's that, that wasn't us. We just got weathered out. But the next season, they closed that caribou unit. Um, just left it for subsistence hunters. And that was, you know, there's there ample, ample caribou that, that i mean there was no reason to do that no scientific sound reason that was just you know i mean but pretty soon if you if if everybody doesn't look out for everybody else and it's a it's a pit resident against non-resident that that's not going to work out very well because even you know look at wyoming 78 percent of the game fish and parks budget comes from non-residents and I guess, I don't know. I mean, what's a deer tag, a resident deer tag? It's 30 bucks or something. A resident elk tag, 30 bucks. Resident sheep tag in Wyoming, 152 bucks. But a bucks. non-resident, though. Non-resident, last, you know, last year was 3,300 bucks. Well, that, that's not fair either. I mean, let, let's have some, figure out a fair, fair formula, what you want to make it that so it's fair. Um, well. And, and, and look out for... Okay, what makes sense for the wildlife population? Well, there's a theme here. This is happening a lot. Like you said, Wyoming, South Dakota. Maybe we could say that we let it because we don't let anybody elk hunt. That's not a resident. We don't let anybody, uh, uh, you know. You know, they uh, give two five-day, what is it, two five-day pheasant periods. Instead of buying a pheasant, a non-resident pheasant license, you pick your pick your two five-day periods. What's well, yeah. you know, I mean. Um, but no sheep hunting here. No, uh, yeah. um, no uh, elk hunting. What else? Uh, no. Well, they do have non-resident buffalo, but we do have a lot of buffalo down there yeah. in the park. So, yeah. um, and look at Iowa. Iowa's kind of doing a little bit of the opposite. I mean, they increased their non-resident deer tax by twenty-five percent. At least it's working its way through the Iowa legislature right now. Well, you know what? There's there's a state that if you look at something like that, you, you, that's you, a revenue play. But you almost well, you almost have to too. Okay, you're letting residents kill you know eight, ten, twelve deer. You know you're that's you, right. You, yeah, you've, you've managed oh, yeah. your herd to where there is an abundance of deer. I mean, yeah. it's it's. I mean, these things are everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So now you got to look at it like, how do we thin this out? Um, I forgot what uh, the insurance companies in the state of Wisconsin one time, I was in a continuing ed class, and they talked about um, the insurance underwriting for car insurance. Auto insurance underwriting department has got a big play in the how many deer are uh, um, killed and what the population <laughs> should be because the rates get hiked way up if it gets unbalanced. Oh, um, yeah. Because people are hitting right, deer yeah. all the yeah. time, yeah. right? And well, so you, you know, you think about that. It's like, but you don't have that problem with doll sheep. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no, look at between spearfish. What is it? Exit uh, fourteen and exit eight. Eight. They finally yeah. put up the deer-proof fence. fences yeah. because it was like every every day or two, yeah. there's whack. Yeah, whack. it's it's gone way down, but they're still they're still having a few. Well, if if a deer finds its way on the wrong side yeah. of that fence, it's yeah. pretty much a guaranteed car. It's going to be death. It's the way it's going to end. Yeah, uh, yeah. They you know, they built those escape. What do you call those escape pods or those escape mounds? Well, yeah, but you got to. Yeah, if they know I, how to I, use them. 
Yeah. Well, somehow a buck got uh, your your dad's place is right on the interstate there that that farmette yeah. he's got there or ranchette, yeah. and there was a good buck that was caught in there that somehow got out in that area and he couldn't get back into all those does and I think he died of uh, um, uh, of pure um, sex drive, <laughs> broken know, heart, yeah, b- broken <laughs> broken something because yes. he couldn't there. get through the fence to get at what he wanted to get at and it was like day after day after day in the middle of rut. That's pretty. And sad. I was like watching. <laughs> This 140 class buck run back. I'd be like driving to work in the morning. He'd be just sitting there going, and then you'd be in the afternoon drive by. He'd be laying there bedded up, looking at the does, going, <laughs> "Let me at him." So it was fun. I, in any way, then one day I saw uh, he was dead on the road. Oh, um, so he geez. got it. But anyway, listen, Alaska Department of Fish and Game. You can go to their website um, at adfg.state.alaska.us or just Google Alaska Department of Fish and Game. And uh, you can leave, hit contact us, and you can leave your opinions on this. If you go, hey, this is crazy. You know, um, I know we have uh, are drafting a letter just, you know, just to basically say, hey, look, um, we send a lot of business up there, uh, fishermen, um, that come in, uh, tourists that want to see this. You know, we we produce a lot of revenue for the great state of Alaska. And I think that they have to be pretty conscious of who they're um, turning away. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, um, and how they're looking at this. Now, they obviously have their uh, uh, perspective. We've talked to our outfitters. I think it's important for you to understand if you're listening today um, that, yes, this is our opinion, but we've talked to our outfitters, and our outfitters feel like that there's, a, there's an age of rams, as Brad stated, that are gone and that I saw are gone. But the winter kill, that there was a bad winter kill or that there was a winter kill several years ago, does this make sense of those lambs in that certain lamb band and that age of ram is just Not pretty there. non-existent, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so they feel like that there's, uh, you know, they're not biologists, but what they are, are is they're on the mountain every damn day looking at these rams and they know where the population's at and uh, they have strong opinions on this. And so if you have booked a hunt or if you have an outfitter, that you know of that outfits in 19C, I'd give them a call. Ask them their opinion. Ask them what they would like you to do to help them Um, because they're the ones that are really, really getting kicked by this, and they're good people. They're great men and uh, women, and their lives and so many of their families' lives are depending on, um, and they don't want to, you know, way late, you know, just, I, I guess, terminate all the sheep in their area you know what i'm saying no it wouldn't be in their interest yeah they don't want to lay waste to everything and say let's wipe this out they're, they're not trying to do that but these are eight nine year old rams that they're trying to kill and uh, they still want to have the ability to say hey, listen i got a 50 percent shot opportunity on a mature legal ram um because the only thing that's going to go down is the amount they're killing because they still have to follow the compliance or regulatory requirement of full curl or eight-year-old yep. rams. I, I'm okay with them closing it. Uh, if they needed to close it, close for everybody. It, but close it for everybody. That, I mean, it's just so hypocritical so to do it for non-residents only. What What is your basic your real your your uh, realistic shot opportunity going up there? Well, well, that's, that's I've a, been up there three times. For sheep, mm-hmm. I passed on a ram 
the second time because yep. we were hunting for a bigger one. Yep. So I guess that would be a shot opportunity. And I didn't begrudge the outfitter for not delivering the bigger ram to me. I had a chance. That's a legal eight-year-old ram. Would you like to shoot it? Dude, that's not the one we saw. No, that's not the one we saw. Okay, let's keep hunting. Okay, boom. The, and he had nice, great black horns, just a beautiful tall sheep. And you had an amazing hunt. And I had an amazing hunt, and I walked away from that so ram. You, you're running 33%. I'm running 33%. Yep. On doll sheep yep. in that Sounds unit. Like exactly. I'm running 33%. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I can – and you shoot had, you a had little a bit s- above average, and I would say that I don't know if I'm as physically uh, as equipped as some of the guys that go in there, but I would be maybe a little bit – I'd be average on the physical ability, and I would say um, the mental stamina that I'm above average because I'm not going to quit. Wouldn't you say? Yep. I, so And I'm 33%. So you had – and you had a 66% shot opportunity mm-hmm. because that other year you didn't yep. have a shot That's at all. Right. There was mm, – but yeah. – Okay. Um, so what would be a fair solution then, Brad? What do you think? I, I think if they needed to close the season, they close should it. have closed the season for everybody. The resident hunters of Alaska have gotten enough influence. They First of all, the, the change that they – were able to get through a few years ago was it's going to become a once every four years thing. Well, that's hurtful only to the outfitters because some, some people had the ability and the desire to go up there and, and there's a window in sheep hunting lifespan. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough physical thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it, once you age out, you're out, you know, once you, once you're physically not capable of doing that, so I think that was a bad move. Um, you know, it wasn't like uh, it, it. It took it, it was it hurt a very small number of people, but still, I, I I didn't see if the residents can go hunt every year like one of our Canadian outfitters. He has yeah. A you're talking five years, and if I kill a ram, I know you alluded this before, yeah. but if I kill a ram this year, I, I have to sit out four now. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah. sense? So it's not like the guys that you know they're coming into doing this they. I don't understand it's, it either. Others it, are getting an opportunity. Others are going to get a chance. Yeah, but a resident can go in there every year and kill and kill and kill. And I bet you if you looked at the residents that kill, 90% of the residents that do kill are the same ones that year. kill year after year after year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's a skill set that they've figured out and the ability to get in there and kill. So if they only want – like one of our Canadian outfitters, he says you should get three rams in your life. You should get your first ram. You should get your mistake ram, and you should and hunt then you, for your giant. And then hunt for, for your, your giant, giant ram. Okay. Your dream ram. Your dream ram. Okay. I like that concept. Well, the, that's at least he's got a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to have it for residents, for residents, that was his strategy. For he says, I think I think everybody should only have the ability to get three rams in their life, because he his thought is there's so many people going and shooting the same caliber of ram. That if they'd have just given it a little bit more of a chance, mm-hmm. you know, you'd yeah. have a you'd have a better right. No, I don't know. I mean, I mean that's one thought. Here, um, here's another one, real quick, to interrupt your th- thinking. Alaska Professional Hunters Association is the other one you could uh, give a shout out to. Um, they're dedicated to conservation of our wildlife resources. They are Alaska uh, Professional Hunters Association. This is a very proactive organization. We use them in our vetting process. Um, we work with them, have had dealings with them, and uh, they're a um, 
a really, really good organization. You can get a hold of their office at office at alaskaprohunter.org, and their number is 907-929-0619, and uh, they're in Anchorage. They're not out of Juneau. They're not disconnected. Um, not that Juno's disconnected, but it is. Um, <laughs> it's but, pretty close. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, never understood how the, uh, the capital capital is in Juno. You, you, you can't, can't drive, drive there. there. You can't even <laughs> it's drive. Crazy it man. makes no damn sense. But anyway, there you go. Um, all right. So it's pretty. Um, there you are. There you go, and uh, away you go. But uh, go back to what you were saying. Well, I think that hunters as a group should be more inclusive because you know the bow hunters are the, the you know the bow hunters are fighting with the rifle hunters and couldn't agree more blah 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 um you know the residents non residents yeah, that's yeah. the craziest folly because at some point you got to be careful cuz yeah if these non resident hunters you know if, what i'm saying if you make it so that when I was a kid, that we had a heritage here. I mean, this was a big deal when when hills deer season November first came around. It was a, that was a that was big. Everybody, every dude hunted. I mean, it was. I mean, you just went and you know, it was like, oh man, you know, football. You know, we just okay. Now we get to hunt for a weekend. You know, I mean, even the coaches they were like, okay, it's opening. Yeah, we're we're gonna work around that. We're gonna do it after dark. We're gonna practice that. I mean, it was serious. The motels, they had meat poles, people. Well, now you can't even get a tag. So how many pe- – where's that heritage? In 2023, it's gone. I mean, when I was a kid in high school, the whole – it was totally different. Everybody hunted. Well, okay, that's the first step. Now, no, there's – it's not important. You go, you go, to, you go to a big city – I mean, nobody's talking about hunting. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, right. that whole group of people, they don't care about it. It's it's yep. it's yep. totally not even in their genre. Yep. Well, if if you don't have some inclusion, bow hunters, rifle hunters, m- muzzle loaders, whatever, residents, public land, I'm a public yeah. land hunter. Screw you, uh, screw you, uh, guided hunters. That's the biggest stupidest argument I've ever heard in my life because private land these these ranchers by leasing it out to a guide so they can make money on a on a resource that they're creating they're they're giving life to they're managing on mm-hmm. their private ranches and then you say public land i i drives me yeah. nuts now i understand yeah. the public land i understand the concept behind i, I when i was a kid you yeah, i couldn't exactly find a piece right. of public land i couldn't go get on yeah. when i moved out here i resorted to public land and had a lot of good hunts but i never begrudged somebody it's it's like pulling up next to a guy in a mercedes and go fucking crook well, then don't ever expect to get a Mercedes if you feel like the guy driving a Mercedes is a crook. The only way a guy could honestly have a Mercedes is if he's a crook. So he must be a crook. He's driving a Mercedes. Well, then you probably are going to repel any type of success would ever have you be able to have a Mercedes. That's my thinking. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I've never been yeah. a hater of success. So just because a guy's over on this side on a private ranch, oh, yeah, he paid to have his own lease, sucker, and I got to hunt public land. Well, that what kind of attitude is that? I could agree more so i I think we should all come together and just get knocked the chip off our shoulder but i know i know this a lot of i know i know a handful of alaska residents 
Oh, screw that. Screw the guided hunter. Screw that. Oh, you yeah. know, the guys from the lower 48. This is our land. They should get one sheep. They should get one bear. Okay, well, what about all the outfitters that fly out there and make a living and feed their families? Well, outfitters, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's a big industry. I mean, it trickles down Did I to. I bomb earlier. Yes. <clears throat> I, usually, I usually bleep myself. <laughs> I know. No. But you know what, though, what you were saying about trickling down, I thought about this, too, because you guys went to, uh, oh, what was the, the terrible, terrible weather back in 21 in August when you guys went out? Caribou. We were up it uh, was for Kotzebue. Car- That's it, Kotzebue, yeah. right. And uh, But instead, you went fishing, yeah. right? So, I mean, well, there's a lot of well, that trickle down We're going to do a podcast with Brian Johnson about that because you're right. There, there's, there's so much that happens. Yeah. You know, and, and but that was another thing. Yeah. Um, we're closing this unit uh, the next year for subsistence. Three quarters uh, of a million caribou in that herd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, well, that's a chunk of caribou. I, there, you know, for crying in a bucket. You, let some let some other people come shoot a few caribou. You know, that, that hurt a lot of people, too. I mean, it's just it's just very, very, uh, I'm going to take care of mine and not uh, – so anyway, I, I don't like that. I don't like that attitude. I've been fortunate to be able to hunt in a lot of different places. And if they wouldn't allow me to come hunt there, I, 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 elk's the big thing, okay? You can't be an elk hunter and live in South Dakota. I mean, that's not where you're going to become a proficient elk mm-hmm, hunter. Mm-hmm. So if the other states wouldn't have been open to allowing non-residents and it's just, and, it, and even that it's getting harder and harder and and what they're doing now with driving the price of non-resident tags up you know I, i'm fearful that you're going to eliminate so many people that pretty soon um people who don't care at all about hunting or dislike hunting uh they're going to have so much more influence that i think uh the, the odds of hunters <laughs> becoming an endangered species so to speak <laughs> that's that's yeah, I mean it's scary. So, me. so you mentioned um, inclusive inclusivity a minute ago. They need to be more inclusive. What do you mean by that? The different hunters, you know, the archery, the the bow hunters, the the musket muzzle loaders, the you well, know rifle. I I I like all of it. You know, okay. I mean, I, muzzle loader hunting. I have a muzzle loader. It's not my favorite thing to hunt, but I I like the opportunity that it gives me. Um, but I'm not hardcore dyed in the wool in that. And I, uh, that's not as big of a group, but. You know, you'll see stick bow hunters, you know, they're just trad guys. That's an immense challenge. And how cool is that? Um, but Atlatl. <laughs> Atlatl. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Falconry. Uh, and, and I love archery Again. hunting. I've done tons and tons and tons and tons of it. Um, obviously not near as much in the last 12, 15 years as I used to. Um, but, you know, I, I don't believe that there's only – one way and sometimes you become exclusive enough that you you shun another group um okay i see so a hunter should have more open-mindedness toward people that hunt different ways if they don't do so themselves i I think how about let's jump in the same bucket together and say we're all hunters i'm a bow hunter these shut down rifle hunting I'm a rifle hunter down, shut down bow hunting. See, they can both argue all day long. Bow hunting, you know what? you got to kill three animals to get to harvest one. 
these unethical bow hunters with these compounds that are shooting out at 100 yards mm. and they're sh uh, sticking an arrow through the gut of an ungulate and the thing runs off and then they just go well, couldn't find it so they start hunting the next day then they do it again and then they do it again and by god these bow hunters should be done well rifle hunters can just go out there and slaughter everything there's no sport to it there's no game to it they sit there and piss on each other here's what i found out when you get in a pissing match both parties usually get wet yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how about let's quit pissing on each other and all get together? You know what? I just had I killed that little 250-inch bull there. That was the most magnificent bull I've ever killed in my life. He was locked up fighting with another one. There was elk screaming around me. I hunted 19 damn days in the black. That one right behind Dakota. me? Yes. I, I, I passed on bigger bulls. I was told, don't you shoot that bull a couple times by mm -hmm. um yeah. by brad's bully buddy um because we did you were also told he, to draw it other, <laughs> and, other and, times and then, shoot that and then bull. draw and you know what <laughs> and i learned so much about bow hunting elk that i didn't know after five years of going on expensive hiking trips in my early 20s to colorado yeah. and i learned more in one season and i would and that that bull will be forever edged in my mind that bull's a 350 bull and i shot him across the canyon at 440 yards with a six creedmoor there but he says you can't shoot a six creedmoor that far at that big animal and he dropped like a hammer um uh you know from a from a ladder so and and this and whole story just basically revolves around you shooting two elk last year no 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 no, oh. no, 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 <laughs> no 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 i no my point <laughs> yeah 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 oh uh, no you can my, puff your chest my, out a little my, bit more my point is my point is that 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 people said oh would you have felt better about this 350 inch bull if i would have shot with a bow, with a bow yeah. hell no and would you have felt better about that 250 inch bull if you would have shot it with a rifle hell no each experience was its own does that make sense and i don't know one that makes it better than the or did not one part made one better than the other you know so so yeah i'm on my soapbox a little bit about it but i agree with brad get the hell off your high horse and let's all come together from 1990 to 2010, fishing game statewide sheep population estimated as fell 21% from 56,740 to 45,210. Finding a lot of stuff on this is not um, uh, um, that easy. Uh, but here's what it says. Sheep numbers are falling across the Brooks Range and on the Kenai Peninsula in the northern Wranglers, uh, Wrangell uh, Mountains. They're stable or decreasing in those areas. And in the South Wrangles, uh, they the uh, uh, they are stable or increasing. Most other mountain ranges have stable numbers, even though some of the population, um, uh, e uh, e even though some of those populations, for example, in the Chugach or the Talkeetna Mountains, are a lower uh, or at lower levels. The number of sheep in the remote western Alaska range is unknown. They don't even know. Yeah. Exactly. So so you know, well, sheep are pretty fragile. And, and they are fragile, but you know what? They've been here for gazillions of years, yeah. and they're just like everything else. They're going to go through a cyclical cycle. Right. We need to pay attention to them. But you know what? You know what? This has been the longest winter I've ever had in Spearfish, South Dakota. I live here 17 years. Yeah, this is a weird one. I love winter. I'm hating, I'm hating this winter because I'm like, holy shit, it's April 1st today or tomorrow or the next day. And it's like, can you – and we have, a, we have a snowstorm coming in, could expect up to 8 to 10 inches. Yeah, that's not bad, though. It's, it's, the, it's the April, May storms no, that dump. No, it's terrible. 50, 51 well, inches. that'll be that next suck. week. Wait. That's coming next week. It's terrible because it started in October this year, and it hasn't stopped.
Yeah, but the day after the snow comes this time, it'll be 55 degrees. My point no, is, I, 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 my right. point is, tell me about this global warming. Because in 15 years from now, when they get an eight-year warm spell up there, and they're bitching because we can't run the Iditarod because we have global warming, and we're supposed to overreact to that now. Now they've had more snow in the last three years than they've had in 100 years. And uh, yeah, Lake, kill. Lake Hood's oversubscribed. The, the uh, uh, what's that called? The... Uh, um, the uh, aquifer, the aquifer tables in um, in Arizona are at an all-time high, and they have 35 years of surplus of water. They say yada 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 yada. They're sequestering it from this place and that place right now, trying to get what do we do with all this water? So you know, it's I, cyclical. It, it is. does cyclical, and I think we all need to calm down, stick together, like Brad said, and uh, let's go hunting. There you go. Yeah, super disappointing that Alaska did what they did the way they did it, too. Um, you know, you sneak it in at the last minute, and uh, people didn't have, you know, they didn't have a lot of time to think about their vote, consider their vote. I wonder if they would do it the exact same way now that they've had a week to reflect on it. Um, well, that's the problem. When you inject the politics in it, that's when it gets screwed up even worse. So... Anyway, closing well, thoughts on that, Brian? Um, yeah, the closing thoughts on that is in 1991, 1992, 1990. I was a baby then. I don't 19, remember back in 19, that far. In 1990, you were not a baby. <laughs> in 1990, the um, George River herd was 800,000 caribou strong, and now only 1% of the population remains as of a few years ago. Now it's on the rebound Big time today, they had 190,000, and they figured it's back up to a quarter million. So what was it? How did that herd go from almost a million animals down to 190 and now rebounding back well, if up? They, if they went from 800,000 and they were down to 1%, that would have been, what would that have been, 8,000? Caribou. Yeah, um, so uh, went down to. So hold on, the caribou. Uh, but now only one percent of the population remains in Quebec. The leaf herd has also expired and declined from over six hundred thousand to approximately one hundred ninety thousand today. So I guess they figured that they're. Yeah, I don't know if their math is right here, um, because uh, that seems like a, a too too dramatic of a yeah. swing. Yeah. And then so, to be back up to, I mean, now now they're up to thirty three percent. Yeah, well, I'm just reading. Down. I'm just reading. This is the uh, National 30%. Environment Treasure and the state of the caribou uh, um, caribou in Quebec. Uh, and this was Quebec has postponed its caribou recovery plan until 2023. It has um, it has implications of biodiversity in, in, in indigenous rights and. Uh, Reconciliation. Caribou once roamed across half of Canada. Today, the iconic species has disappeared from its southern ranges in the edge closer to the brink of extinction. So, um, I don't know. Um, uh, in 1990, the herd was over 800,000 caribou strong, but now only 1% of the population remains in Quebec. But then it says the Leaf River herd has also expired to decline from over 600,000 in 2000 to approximately 190,000. Thankfully, the population has stabilized over the past few years, and the main uh, culprits of these uh, declines are habitat loss 
and um, fragmentation due to uh, industrial logging. Well, so this must have been caribou is a, a, a wonky thing too because the, I think lichen is one of their primary food sources on the tundra. Yes, and, and if they overgraze, and if they it overgraze it, and that's a very slow to recover is, species right. anyway. Yeah. So I mean, that's one of those things. Okay, maybe you shouldn't have started. Maybe you shouldn't have let it get to eight hundred thousand head because the recovery aspect of that takes so long if if that's i don't know if that i mean i'm not a caribou expert but i'm I, and I mean, some of this is politically rendered too due to industrial logging okay there's not a lot of industrial logging okay so are they talking about the winter ranges okay how much logging are they really doing fossil fuel exploration and road construction so you're telling me that road constructing Road construction, fossil fuel exploration, and industrial logging took the herd from 600,000 to 190,000 and over 800,000, but now only 1% of the population remains in Quebec. So the question, these, this begs the question, okay? What biologist is creating this? What's the narrative they're creating? Who's reading it? And where's the truth behind some of this stuff? Because what you just said, let me read this whole thing to you. Caribou herd in Quebec are a shadow of their former population mere decades ago. Of particular concern is the dramatic decline of the George River herd, which I hunted. That was a later herd that came through. I hunted that in the 90s. Mm -hmm. In 1990, the herd was over 800,000 caribou strong comma but now only one percent of the population remains in quebec the leaf river herd has also experienced a decline from over six hundred thousand in 2000 to approximately 190,000 today does that make any sense that makes no sense so people read this and and they go holy sh yep we're voting against hunting well, hunters better figure it out and stick together. Otherwise, you know, if there's not if there's not enough opportunity that nobody wants to do it, pretty soon our numbers will be so slim and marginalized. You're exactly right. The decline of the George River herd in 1990, the herd was over 800,000 strong, but now only 1% of the population remains in Quebec, period. The Leaf River herd, oh, the Leaf River herd um, has also experienced the decline, but is now stable. So the George River herd you're telling me is down to 8,000 from 800,000. Would that be it? The Leaf River herd is now back up. I think I hunted the Leaf River herd, not the George River herd. Yeah, it was Leaf River. So well, they just need to bust the caribou back over to the George River herd. I don't know. They've got, they've got to put a road in there, and that'll that'll kill the rest of them. Well, you guys were going to eat. Uh, your wife sent me a picture of a big old ram almost living in town. <laughs> two nights ago. Oh, two nights ago. Yeah, yeah. well, there's so, another thing, you yeah. know. Go ahead. So that, uh, that's quite the success story. I mean, that's cool, uh, you know. I mean, they transplanted sheep. Those sheep are uh, – It's uh, that, that's interesting that they transplanted them where they transplanted them because they're almost yeah, – I don't get they're that. They're almost a town, a town sheep herd now. <laughs> yeah, well, they are. I mean, they're, they're a resident pet that, yeah. that moves around. 
and well, we've had hunters spot them 27, 30 miles north. We've had them coming back, and they have yeah. to terminate those sheep or execute them because you don't know if they've been exposed to. Well, yeah, uh, when they you know when they run out, CWD. I mean they're just too they're just too close to the outskirts. Well, they get there. pneumonia from the local herd, uh, the residential domestic sheep. domestic sheep. Yeah, okay. And and so, but you look at oh, so, so let's look at the sheep herd in the Badlands. Yeah. Now it just got a bad case of pneumonia, wiped out eighty percent of it, but. Uh, I know a lot of people that are out there. Man, there's hundreds of sheep in the park right now. Yeah, well, I took a bunch of pictures of them a month ago. And how many did you see, 30, saw, 40 of them? I saw a bunch of sheep. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's places that, I mean, well, there's they're in the parking uh, you, lot of the Deadwood Lodge all the time. Right, but but that's what we were saying about those up there. But these yeah. out in the Badlands, that's one of the longest, most historical uh, resurrections of a sheep herd ever. Isn't yeah, it like cool. 45 years ago they put those sheep in there or something crazy? I don't know. So I don't. You know what? Here's the thing. Who knows? It's a sad deal. It's a it's a bad deal. Um, resident 19C. We have some great friends that own hunting. Uh, they became great friends. They yeah. they own hunting concessions. Yeah. There. They're hurting. Yeah, they're hurting. <clears throat> Let's talk about some good news. What about our promotion we're doing for our members? Oh, yeah, you would ask about that. So you could have given me some behind the scenes because I'm going to have to look that up. So what else <laughs> do we want to talk about for a second? <laughs> talk amongst yourselves uh, while you're uh, looking uh, that up. All right, yeah. No, it's a, it's a pretty sweet deal. I'm a one-trick pony. Yeah, 19C butts right up to Denali, man. It's a cool place. Well, it's basically from Denali west over to Farewell and southwest. You know, it runs all the way down that whole thing. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it's a a magical place. Um, Yeah, I'm super – I'm bummed about it. As am I. I'm I'm looking – Truth be told, I was supposed to be there in August. This August? Yeah. I was originally going up there. Oh, that's right. You you were. I, I, you I, and Dr. Palmer were going up yeah. there this year. And be, see, that that's where, okay, so that that's a point in case. Okay, let's use that as an example. You and um, one of your clients, well, Dr. Palmer, yep. um, Scott Palmer, were heading up there. Yep. Okay, sheep herds bad. Out, uh, d- down, whatever you want to yep. call it. Um, uh, our outfitter calls and says, hey, guys. What do you want to do here? Uh, we're going to cut the number of sheep hunters we have. We want a high success. It's managing itself right, right. there. Yep. And uh, um, we voluntarily. So and we yep. we cut sixty percent of the amount of hunters we had going in yep. there. And um, and some of the one like Brian and his son, they were they were on a they were on a clock. This is your father son father son deal. This will not happen again. Now maybe years down the road, but this was a this was going to be a cool cool experience for them to be able to do this father-son hunt right before he goes to college and uh you know, and he knew that it was going to be potentially a, a more difficult and challenging hunt because of the sheep population but the flip side of that is the, they they to a certain extent police themselves okay and we're going to cut back they they cut back on the number of hunters that's what i'm saying uh, yeah the, the outfitters that, policing uh, themselves so they, they, he already did that, which gave uh, put the odds back in their favor. Because okay, now we're not hunting for eight sheep; we're hunting for two. Exactly. Okay, there's probably way more than two legal rams in that area. Those two legal rams are going to die of old age, or slip on a rock and crack their coconut, whatever, and, and eliminate this opportunity. And the funny thing hunt. was, we put 87 miles on. You know how many deadheads we found? A lot. None. 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 
So it wasn't like it was winter kill from the year before. That's interesting. None. Uh, uh, neither one of us. Because Dr. Uh, um, <laughs> Dr. David T. Williams, none. Me, none. Outfitters, none. 87 miles. So, so I, was, I was in a drainage, and I found, I don't know, eight, ten deadheads. And I looked at the hobbit, and I go, you've, you said you've never been in this drainage before. And he goes, I've never been in it. And I said, well, here's the bad news. I don't think we can go back the same way we came. <laughs> I said, does it worry you that we've seen this many dead sheep? Because you could be the next deadhead. Could be the next one. It yeah, was right. gnarly. And I was like, we're, we're not going. We're not. We can't go. We can't climb up where we just came out of because it was way too dicey. Like, so so here, here's, here's, our, here's our giveaway right now. We have a membership giveaway um, in partnership with HuntWorks. Greg Glessinger um, is uh, with HuntWorks Outdoors, um, and you can win a chance to hunt on Greg Glessinger's farm in Missouri. It's uh, um, an amazing piece of property. It's been managed for 20-plus years for big whitetails. Win a three-day rifle hunt in Missouri. Um, you become a member. How do you do it? You become a member of Rolling Bones between now and September 1st, or you renew your membership. So current members can win this too. But um, if you get your membership between now and September 1st, your hat's in the your your um, name is in the hat. We are not we are not using current point holders, so this does not ruin. Uh, or you're not using your current points to draw this because we have our own internal draw every year that we have for our current members, and they build points based on how long they've been with us, how much um, uh, you know revenue, what they spend with us. Right. And we have our own uh, whole points. And if you're interested in that, go to rollingbones.com, look under our membership, and we'll explain that to you. But anyway, join today. Um, you're entered towards three days, fully guided um, rifle hunt. Um, a hunt begins November 14th through the 16th. So you hunt the 14th, 15th, and 16th. Lodging and meals are included. Um, Brad and I will both be there. Um, and no, Brad will not be there. Um, I will be there. Um, uh, drawing to be announced on September 5th by Greg Glessinger of HuntWorks at Rolling Bones Outdoors. So if you have any questions on that, you can call us at 605-644-8000 or go to www.rollingbones.com. Dot com to enter to win. All you got to do is become a member, and you are entered to win. It uh, um, and that's where we're at. So I think that's the way it works. Is it not true too that that uh, I don't know. You kind of called me on the spot on this. <laughs> so are you telling me or asking? I'm I'm asking, but I think this is right. <laughs> that hunt is going to be um, filmed, a videotape yes, for an episode. Yes, it will be filmed for an episode on Sportsman's Channel, um, and uh, and with HuntWorks. So um, Greg has shot Greg on his Iowa property, which is um, right next to this one, has killed the largest deer ever videoed for TV at 100. I believe it was 138 or no, 238 oh, yes. inch, yeah. 138 inch, Two. 238 inch whitetail. Um, and if you go to HuntWorks.com, HuntWorks.com, you can see that and see that um, that deer. So it's pretty crazy. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to have you win and go hunting with us. It'll be a great time. So, Brad, closing thoughts on all this uh, craziness going on because I know it's like it's, it's not exactly what we would like to see happen. No, I'd like to see – I'd like to see sound decisions made for good reasons, and uh, I'd like to see us become more 
inclusive uh, and thoughtful and uh, with other fellow hunters, be that if they hunt something differently than the way you like to hunt it or if you're a non-resident and a resident. And uh, so anyway, that's my thought. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, and this debate's been going on for years. I'm looking at stuff dating back to 2015 and 2016, and we're in 2023 right now. So the fact of the matter is that we need to all be stewards of the resource that we've been given. God's given us a great country, and I couldn't agree more. My, my closing thoughts were be let's come together like you're saying. Let's go become an uh, inclusive club where we all work together and we have a conservation mindset. And I say we make de uh, decisions based on conservation and we involve the stewards of the land. To me, an outfitter that runs a territory that flies out there, that is living there, that knows his population, that's looking over his population, should be involved with the biologists, and it shouldn't just be done from a desk in Juneau, Alaska, that you can't even get to by road to where they're looking at this unit at. It shouldn't be done from a desk in here south dakota that hasn't been out here to the black hills and and is not talking to everybody that's i think we should involve ourselves in all of it and uh you know we'd be all better served for it we need to protect our resources we all need to be conservationists but we need to be you know uh friends in all of this so i couldn't agree more so bleep you have any thoughts no yeah i just think maybe the fairness thing what uh, brad mentioned what you mentioned i think that's the main thing and that politics screws up stuff like this. Yeah, bureaucrats always it up. So I bleep myself there, okay, um, for sure. So anyway, listen, if you're looking to get on a great adventure, we have uh, built an opportunity for you to work with one of our local advisors. They have uh, the best matches software that uh, looks it, – it takes a lot of things into consideration. They go through a whole questionnaire. They're not trying to just place you with an outfitter buddy that they know or somebody that they're seeking great favor from. Um, our advisors and our booking agents uh, use – a best matches software uh, and it goes in and it collects all the information or they collect all the information from you it goes into our database it takes into account everything you're looking for and then gives you your top matches so then we can go out and research those top outfitters that were your best matches based on our vetting process and our understanding of each one of those outfitters. It's quite a, a sophisticated process. It was built for you so we could deliver consistency in an experience across the board, whether that be from Tajikistan to Texas, or as Brad says, Alaska to Nebraska, we want to deliver. You get all of that with our membership for $150 a year. We will take care of you. We'll do all of your applications in all 50 states. Um, and uh, make sure that we develop a plan to get you on your next adventure and make sure it's a dream adventure or a hunt of a lifetime. Go to rollingbones.com to check that out, and we would love to help you. Either that or call 1-605-644-8000, 1-605-644-8000. This is a revolutionary concept, but we pay people to answer the phone and say, hello, Rolling Bones, how can I help you? And if you do go to voicemail for some uh, reason, we check our messages and we'll call you back. We have a full staff uh, of people in here every day. So we appreciate you listening today. Make sure you share, your, uh, share this podcast. Tell people about the podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, what's the other ones? 
I, iTunes. iTunes, all of them, or just go to our Instagram or Facebook, and on Thursdays we download it and click there and listen up. So until next time, okay, we want you to stay safe, be healthy, okay, the best you can be, and happy hunting.